There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone the weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Cup of murder. A lot of the time, killers get caught once a few too many bodies are found by the police. However, in the case of the toolbox killer who died on May 28, 2002, it was the chilling sight of a woman, very much so alive, that would be his undoing. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Imagine how terrifying it would be to hear a frantic pounding at your door, opening it, and finding a young woman naked, covered in blood, with a metal collar padlocked to her neck. That's exactly what happened on March 22, 1999, when a New Mexico homeowner opened his mobile home door to find 22-year-old Cynthia Vigil. She ran inside and pleaded for help. The police were called, and soon a truly terrifying story began to unravel. She told police that she was a sex worker who was kidnapped by a man who offered her $20 in exchange for oral sex. Once she was inside of his RV, she was gagged, tied up, and had a metal collar, one that she was still wearing, forced around her neck by not just a man, but a female accomplice. The pair then drove her over an hour away from where she was abducted in Albuquerque, all while she was chained to a bedpost and made to listen to an audio tape describing all of the terrible things she was about to experience as a sex slave at the hands of her new master. She continued her story claiming that for three days she was raped and tortured with things like whips, medical instruments, electric shock, and sex toys. She was able to escape after the male captor went to work and the female mistakenly left the keys to her chains within reach. The woman noticed Cynthia trying to escape and a struggle ensued, during which Cynthia stabbed her captor in the neck with an ice pick and fled. Police apprehended a man named David Parker Ray and Cynthia Hendy. David, born November 6, 1939, was no stranger to violent and sadomasochistic sex. When he was a young boy, he was sent to live with his grandfather and was only visited sporadically by his father. But when he did come to see his children, he brought with him the heavy stench of alcohol, a heavy violent hand, and magazines filled with violent pornography for his son. From this grew sexual fantasies that involved rape, torture, and murder. It seemed like he was the prime candidate for the violence Cynthia Vigil was now describing. But due to her profession, police were wary to believe the woman. I guess the bruises and injuries covering her body weren't enough. So they began searching David's home and found the audio tape that Cynthia had described, as well as other evidence that not just backed up her story, but was enough to warrant a full search. A group of over 100 officers began searching the property and the surrounding areas, including a separate mobile home on the property. While they found no human remains, what they did find was arguably much worse. Inside of this mobile home, what would later be called his toy box, they found videotapes of women being tortured and raped. And further backing up Cynthia's story were items like whips, chains, pulleys, straps, clamps, leg spreader bars, surgical blades, syringes, and saws. There was a detailed diagram showing different methods and techniques for optimal pain, as well as a homemade electrical generator used for torture. 
So when Cynthia said she was shocked, cattle prodded, whipped, and had instruments and large dildos inserted inside of her body, she was telling the truth. They later found out that David put his victims in wooden contraptions that bent his victims over and immobilized them, so he and his dogs, and sometimes friends, could rape the women. And how did they know all of this? Because after news of the demented toy box became public, a number of women came forward with similar stories to tell. Women like Angelica Montano, who had reported her capture to police, but for whatever reason, there was no follow-up. Other women came forward and not just implicated David Ray Parker, but accomplices like the manager of a popular lounge, women he dated, local police, and his own daughter. Police found a video that contained the torture of a victim named Kelly Garrett in 1996. She was ultimately found alive in Colorado and was able to give her story to police. She said that on July 24, 1996, after getting in a fight with her then-husband, she decided to go out with friends and play some pool. One of these friends was Glenda Jean Ray, David's daughter. Glenda drugged the beer that Kelly had been drinking and brought her out to the parking lot and into the arms of her father. David attached a dog collar and leash to Kelly and began inflicting similar tortures on her that police heard from Cynthia Vigil. When he was done with her, after two days of torture, he slashed her throat and dumped her on the side of the road. She was remarkably able to survive, but when she reported her attack, neither the police nor her husband believed her. In fact, he filed for a divorce, believing that Kelly had been cheating on him. Knowing now that, once he was done with his victims, he simply attempted to murder and dispose of them, police now believed that he wasn't just a serial rapist, but a serial killer as well. It's theorized that any and all bodies were dumped down abandoned mines in the east side of Caballo Lake by David's many accomplices. Because of this, David Parker Ray could not be charged with murder. So, they settled for kidnapping and torture. In the cases of Cynthia Vigil, which resulted in a mistrial and retrial where he was convicted of all 12 counts, Angelica Montano, who died before her trial began, so Ray was not convicted, and Kelly Garrett, in which he agreed to a plea bargain. He was sentenced in 2001 to 224 years in prison. Police believed that David Parker Ray killed 60 women over the course of his time as the toy box killer. And on May 28, 2002, while they were in the process of transporting David for further police questioning, he had a heart attack and died. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on May 29th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description.
Thank you again and have a wonderful day.